0: With us this Sunday morning is Steve Cates, otherwise known as Dr. Sky, And I look forward to talking to him every Sunday morning to find out what the heck is going on up there somewhere. Uh, Steve Cates, uh, what's going on uh, this Sunday
1: morning? Well, good morning, John. Good to be with you and the listeners on the Cats Roundtable. We begin in low-Earth orbit. Here's an interesting story, kind of comical in a way, but we'll go on with it. A $100,000 tool bag was lost in space as astronauts were working on one of the solar panels during a seven-hour spacewalk. Well, they lost this tool bag, and it got away from them on the repair mission. That happened on November the 1st. But, John, the tool bag is now orbiting ahead of the space station, and people who have very dark skies and a pair of binoculars can actually see this as a faint star-like object. But what's in it? The tool bag included a common 10-millimeter socket wrench that's used by many auto mechanics, But, John, the tool bag will orbit the Earth and burn up maybe sometime as early March. But here's the serious side of the story. There's 36,500 pieces of space debris that are larger than four inches in size in orbit. So the understatement of the entire year would be, wow, isn't space crowded? And a lot of that debris, there's really no way to control that at this point. Amazing stuff, don't you think?
0: Uh, Well, yeah, we do need a sanitation uh, truck up there and... uh... To clean up uh, all that,
1: um,
0: can't they, uh, they? Can't they go and and and, and recover it?
1: It's probably difficult, John. And here's why: you have those little small pieces up there, and even though it's low Earth orbit, space is still a big area. So you'd have to be able to track this with some kind of radar and capture this. You'd probably need some kind of a giant net in space, and that's improbable because of the sheer size and the thing you'd have to deploy out into space. But there are some companies out there that are trying to develop what we might call, in a simplistic way, some sort of a vacuuming system that might pull it up, but you've got to find it first. So it might be a science fiction dream that we can think anytime soon that we'll get rid of this problem. All of that space debris, by the way, eventually will burn up in the atmosphere. But in the meantime, there's lots of other people and spacecraft that are up there. That could endanger them for sure. That's interesting.
0: Well, that's uh, you know, interesting.
1: What else is going
0: on?
1: Well, John, we go on to the Starship. This is the big SpaceX rocket. That's the most powerful rocket in the world after the, the April the, Is that
0: the one with the 33 engines?
1: Absolutely, those big Raptor engines. So what we're talking about here, there's new modifications on the rocket, John. It's better control, at least they believe, and I believe them, Thirty-three of the 33 Raptor engines. They're going to have a shorter time to fire the rocket motors from... T-minus 8 seconds, bringing it down to T-minus 3 seconds. In other words, they're not going to leave the rocket motors burning as quick before it gets off because this particular you know situation in the past, it damaged the launch pad and destroyed it. So they also added a thing called a water ablation system. In simple English, they flood the entire water you know around the launch pad to lessen sounds and damage that could occur. And they also have, this is interesting, a better self-destruct system just in case of rocket failure. But, John, this is a 16000000 pounds thrust rocket, the most powerful rocket ever developed. And that's interesting because Elon and the entire SpaceX organization, their main mission here is to get to Mars quicker, and hopefully they'll be able to improve on these rockets. I think that's fascinating. It's an interesting story to follow, and I hope our listeners will certainly want to follow that too.
0: Uh, well, I'll tell you, it's still... Uh... You know, it's a lot of engines. Um, What else is going on on Mars and the moon? All these rovers on Mars, all these rovers on the moon, anything new on them?
1: Well, here's some news on Mars. And this actually came from an article that you sent me, and I did some research. Around the Earth, not only are there bright auroras caused by the sun's energy, but we see something called air glow. It makes the sky look green in dark locations, it's caused by oxygen molecules being excited by the sun up there way above in space. Well, now they're finding the same thing on the planet Mars. So for the first time, we've detected this green glow. Why is that important? Well, Mars is chemistry. It doesn't have an atmosphere like Earth. It's mostly carbon dioxide, but it's indicative of a planet that may have some sort of a way to sustain life on the surface because somewhere out there, there's maybe non-usable oxygen molecules It's still something of noteworthy. But the rovers and everything else, here's another big uh, situation. Right now, the planet Mars goes into what we call solar conjunction. What does that mean? It means that any transmission from Earth to Mars, because Mars is right next to the sun, gets disrupted. And if you were to send the messages to Mars about 21 minutes in one-way direction, what happens? Because Mars is right in the area of the sun. You're having difficulty communicating with everything. So a lot of these space uh, technicians probably should take a week off because they're always so busy. So communications on Mars would always be that way, if indeed Mars, which always will go into solar conjunction, that lasts for about a week or so. So that's Uh, the story on Mars. But, you
0: know, are they working on anything that makes the uh, uh, the radio signal go faster?
1: Uh, Not that I can tell you, John. When I don't know something, I'll be very candid with you. I understand. But the interesting part part about this is we're looking at ways to develop light transmission on lasers. Now, this is technology that has been, you know, it's still in its early development. So that instead of sending just radio signals, we might be able to talk, and we can, but they have to develop the technology where you could talk on a laser beam, which would probably answer the question of how to get it there even faster.
0: Now here's the question. Again. The question is, uh, sure. is is the uh, is the uh, sound uh, being transmitted? Is is the uh, trans, radio transmission being transmitted at the same speed as as uh, as light, or is it close to it, it or is, whatever?
1: It, it is close to it, John, but not as fast as if you were to press this into a packet of light. And the story on that goes like this. When you can compress all that technology, meaning the signals, into a light particle, it's obviously much more reliable because what you have is when radio signals go out, they're not as focused. If you look at something like when you take a laser and, say, fire it at a piece of paper, you have a very concentrated beam of energy. In many cases, these transmissions go out into space. As they continue to go out, what happens? They become less and less strong as they move out into the universe. So hopefully we can develop this laser technology to be able to communicate not only from Earth to the moon, but to our spacecraft. And the
0: mystery of the week. Oh, go ahead. I I, I stepped on you.
1: No, no, that's okay, John. We have a little bit of a time dilation here at the speed of light, too. But here it is. The mystery of the week is something amazing. There's a supervolcano in Europe. Now, I don't want to alarm people. There's many of these supervolcanoes. There's one near the Yosemite area in the United States. But this one in Italy erupted in 1538, and its nose is the Campi Flegri. It's a gigantic volcanic caldera called a mountain. It's near Naples, Italy, and it could, they're saying, start to erupt as the crust underneath the Earth is becoming much weaker. But if that were to happen, there's about 1.5 million people in the vicinity of this eruption from this so-called supervolcano, which it did, and it would erupt, let's say. It could put the Earth into a dark winter from the gas, dust, and sulfur. And this, along with active volcanoes in Iceland, we're seeing a lot of volcanic activity, reminding us of the Earth's deep geologic history. So we have to keep an eye on it. It's something we can't do anything about. But let's remember, the Earth is not dormant as we go into the core. It's molten, it's very active, and it continues. When we talk about the live sky, John, people can see space stations in the sky by going to a website called heavensabove.com. The moon moves on to full as it goes on to its full hunter's moon phase on the 27th. And what do we say, John? Always remember to keep your eyes to the skies, your feet on the ground. And we always remind people to go to WABCradio.com for the Dr. Sky experience. A brand-new update, John, on all the things people can see in our November skies. So thank Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you, Steve Cates. Dr. Sky, I will talk to you again uh, real soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, John.